If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. This is the Larry Kudlow Show. Join us during the week, Fox Business. Name of the show is Kudlow, 4 to 5 p.m. We welcome all comers. If you can't make it at 4, dial up your favorite 9-year-old. He'll teach you how to DVR the show. Anyway, we're going to do some stock market work. we got Stephanie Link, the great Stephanie Link, chief investment strategist, high-tower investors, Head of Investment Solutions. And uh, did we find Jim LeCamp yet? No, we're still working on Jim LeCamp from Morgan Stanley. All right, maybe he'll show up now. I'll just talk to my pal, Stephanie. <laughs> What's wrong with that? That's a good Saturday thing to do. How are you, Steph? I'm good, Larry. How are you? I'm good. So a uh, big rally in the market yesterday, the week the market was up. What do you make of it? It's economic news is not great. Fed's going to tighten. I don't know. Maybe was it because of this? Uh, uh, what's his name? Nick Timoreus, who's the Fed chairman for the Wall Street Journal. Uh, <laughs> is it because they're hinting that maybe they won't jack up rates quite as much as people thought? How'd you read that yeah. uh, big rally? How'd you read it? Uh, I think that's exactly what it was. I think he also had a few other Fed governors talk about maybe being more data dependent and that we're closer to the neutral rate. But I, I think it's one thing to have um, to pivot, right? It's one thing to do that. It's another thing to maybe you don't raise as much, but you're still raising. And I think the latter is the thing that uh, is, is, is more accurate, right? I mean, I think that uh, we all – I think the consensus is 75 basis points at the November meeting. And then for a while there, uh, after the strong jobs number, that it was another 75 basis points in December expected in terms of rate hikes. Uh, now that number is kind of in question, and the article also then just fueled that speculation. But as I mentioned, it's not a pivot, Larry, right? It's not like they're all, gonna, all of a sudden going to reverse course. And the reason they're not going to reverse course anytime soon, in my belief, is because the economic data continues to be okay in some areas. Terrible in housing. I'll give you that, absolutely. Some regional manufacturing series also not so great. But the jobs numbers can continue to be very strong, um, and inflation is still very high. And so the Fed has to remain hawkish. Um, and uh, I think even if they do stop, let's just say in the next couple of months, but it's still going to remain high. Uh, Fed funds are going to re- remain high for longer than people believe because inflation is going to be so stubborn. Yeah, I think you're, you know, <clears throat> the inflation stubborn part is very important. Uh, you just don't see the kind of decline that they want. Uh, I've been looking at the Cleveland Fed. You know, they have this median CPI where they, they chop off the highs and they chop off the lows. But inflation, so the basic inflation rate is still hovering around 7%, slightly above 7%. It's probably a better measure than the CPI. But, I mean, they got a problem. They can't, you know, here's the thing. They... The tough, tough talk 
which I thought was good, beginning with Jay Powell at Jackson Hole a couple months ago. I don't want to see them relent from that. It's too early for them to relent. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. the stock market will be what it's going to be. Earnings probably holding up decently. I don't know how long that will last. But the other thing, Stephanie, is um, this was a rough week for interest rates. So I'm looking at my sheets here that 10 years up 20 basis points, 422. That's a big number. And I don't know. You think rates are going to keep rising in the market? Well, I think they're they're definitely going to remain uh, higher than what most people are are are, uh, are used to seeing for sure. And the problem, Larry, is we haven't even begun to feel the effects of higher interest rates. Other other than housing, housing absolutely right. That's that's I'll give you that. That that's absolutely in a recession. But we, it, you know, usually, and you know this better than I, that usually it takes about six to nine months for mm-hmm. any kind of policy. Uh, changes to take effect. And so that's why 2023 is going to be a much higher probability of a recession um, versus where we are right now. Because I don't think the economy right now is in a recession. We get the GDP number, the first read of GDP this week. Um, and I think the, the consensus is about one and a half percent. So it's slow growth for sure, but I don't think it's recession. Uh, and I think it goes back to jobs. Jobs are so strong. That's kind of keeping us afloat. But eventually, things are going to get into the system. And yeah, to your point on earnings, absolutely, that's going to impact earnings. So right now, earnings are actually okay. Mm. 75% of the companies that have reported have been beating, right? And I, I know the expectations have been very, very low. We've all been lowering numbers throughout the quarter. So they're, they're beating a low bar. But they are beating, and not a lot of numbers are coming down for 2023 other than to say currency. Right. It's not demand. It's currency so far that's impacting 2023. I think when we get into 2023, it's going to be more of a demand situation. Mm. Um, you know, so it's it's I, I, now all of this being said, markets are down 25 percent year to date. We're, we're kind of we're kind of expecting bad news. The market's a forward looking indicator. And so I think uh, we're already kind of discounting a, a lot of bad. Um, not to say that a lot more can't happen. But I just think uh, trying to be measured in this kind of environment at these valuation levels, I think, makes sense. Yeah, this is a tough one. Uh, there's a rumor that Jim LeCamp, senior VP of Morgan Stanley, is on the line. That, Rumors uh, sometimes are true. Well, it's nice of you to join us. It's a pleasure to hear your voice. Um, you know, if you didn't show up, I'm perfectly happy to talk to Stephanie Link for him. <laughs> Believe me. Well, I, mean, the, I don't know pr- what happened with the primary number, but there is a backup number, and we're on she's that. A, I'm just saying she's a brilliant woman, and she's a very nice person <laughs> and all the rest of it. So. Thank but you. I want to say one thing, uh, talking about the economy. Um, the conference board's uh, leading economic index, which is an important measure. People don't pay enough attention to it. Anyway, that thing's, that thing's fallen. It's falling yep. in seven of the last nine months. The six-month growth rate of the uh, leading index uh, is now, let's see, down. It's gone into negative territory. So Stephanie was talking about recession next year. There, That's yet another indicator. The stock market is also an indicator. And Jim LeCamp, it's interesting to me, uh, during the course of the week, all these big-shot CEOs – um, you know, Morgan Stanley and, and, and mm-hmm. JP Morgan and Bank of America and, uh, and Jeff Bezos and all these guys, 
are all talking about recession next year. I guess the Wall Street Journal um, economics survey, they're talking about a recession next year. So what do you think? Are they right? Well, look, when you see a car going 90 miles an hour and the stop sign is 10 feet away, you pretty much know what's going to happen. He's not going to make that stop. (laughs) Uh, And what we're seeing now with uh, capital expenditure plans, with leading economic indicators, as you mentioned, with the consumer savings rate, which is at multi-year lows, Mm. with doggedly high energy prices, with foreclosures starting to ramp, with repossession starting to ramp, uh, certainly doesn't look like we're going to make that stop sign and uh, prevent a recession from happening. It looks like we are going to uh, have a recession next year. Uh, how deep it is, is it's a good question, Larry, because what's what, it, there's some other things happening now. The strong dollar has caused some problems around the world. We had to send $11 billion to uh, Switzerland, um, and uh, we, we sent money to uh, England as well. And you wonder if beyond all the normal economic data, which I just mentioned that you'd want to watch, you wonder if the Fed's about to really break something and that's going to wreak havoc, which would cause a recession on its own anyway. And uh, there's a lot of concern about that with the Fed still yeah, three quarters um, in November. Um, who knows what happens in December? Probably a half to three quarters. But uh, if nothing breaks before then, then certainly uh, they're raising the risk of something breaking shortly thereafter. And so I, I certainly think it's a high-risk environment. We're rallying now uh, mostly because of positioning. We got too negative. Uh, the short interest was way too high. The negative sentiment was way too high bounced off a logical support level, we could rally to 4,000 or so in the market. But in terms of recession, uh, I certainly think we're headed that way, and I don't see a way around it at the moment. I don't think, apart from the federal funds rate, putting that aside, I don't think market rates have nearly peaked. I mean, I've said this for, I don't know, months and months, but I don't see how, Stephanie, you can have a 7% inflation rate, and even a 4% 10-year. For the same reason, by the way, if you have a 7% inflation rate and the federal funds rate is going to go to 4% when they do their 75, they're still in negative negative real rates. Mm -hmm. And, And that does not suggest they're going to conquer inflation, which does not suggest that rates have peaked. I mean, I'm speaking here, market rates, govies, corporates, so if a recession brings down earnings and interest rates keep rising, you got to double there, right? I mean, profits are the mother's milk of stock, so that's not good. But the multiples are going to have to come back down some more too, aren't they? Yeah, well, absolutely. And uh, by the way, this week we get another favorite inflation metric, the employment cost index, right, for uh, for the third quarter. And that mm-hmm. number uh, is expected to come in at 6.3%. So to your point, inflation remains very high. Whatever metric you want to use, you want to use core PCE, you want to use ECI, core ECI, you want to use CPI. The bottom line is we all know it, we all see it. Inflation is high. And by the way, uh, in the last couple of weeks, uh, oil prices have come back up. 
So um, that's a, that's problematic as well. So people were saying that, oh, well, all the commodities are rolling over. This is going to help the numbers. We've seen inflation peak. No, I don't think so. I think, you know, we're going to kind of oscillate around a bit in terms of where the actual number is. Um, but uh, it's high and the Fed has no choice but to remain hawkish. And uh, that's why I said, you know, yesterday when people started talking about the Fed pivoting and, and the uh, less hawkish tone from some Fed governors uh, and we rallied on that news, I think that that's just silly. We are seasonally in the strong part of the market, though. Uh, the fourth quarter is the, is the strongest uh, quarter mm. for stocks. So and after midterms, uh, historically, that's been also a very positive time for the market. So uh, we could rally because, as Jim mentioned, we did get oversold and everybody was on the other side. Um, but I think, you know, we're going to remain in a choppy environment because of what you just said. Interest rates are going to stay high or higher for longer. And uh, and that's that's a, that's not a great combo for um, for, for risk assets at, at this point, unfortunately. Yeah. No, that's a common sense view. I like it. I agree with it. I, I just think, look, I, Nobody's a genius about this interest rate forecasting stuff, but I, I just think that the Wall Street in general is too optimistic about interest rates. I, I think that you're going to see, and I don't know when, I don't know what the timing is, not smart enough to know, but I, I don't think we're near the peak in rates. That's all. Well. Larry, to your point, the three months still hasn't eclipsed the 10-year. And that's when the Fed really starts looking at whether they're going to shift gears or not. And i got to tell you, something else that's scary out there, Stephanie mentioned it, uh, energy prices are high, but the commodity if you look at the commodity index itself, it's kind of strong considering where the dollar is. Hmm. And uh, that suggests to me that uh, these, these price pressures, not just energy, which I'm, I still think is a major pressure, we could see more pressure coming from commodities as well. That's a good point. I agree with that. That's a very good point. You know what? The commodity thing, I look at the CRB futures index. I look at it every day. The, the sugar high has been taken out. Right. But, but if you go back pre-COVID, you're still way above where you were. And, and, and you gapped up recently. Um, the, the chart is no longer in a downtrend. At best, it's basing. But mm. to do that when the dollar is so strong is, is kind of unusual. Mm. Yeah, no. It's a, all right. We got a lot of ifs out there. Let's take, a, uh, let's take a quick break. We're talking to Stephanie Link of Hightower Advisors. We're talking to Jim LeCamp of Morgan Stanley. I'm Larry Kudlow. We'll come back and maybe figure out some kind of uh, strategy to get through this difficult period. Folks, we'll be right back. Please stick around. All right. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Larry Kudlow. We're talking stocks with Stephanie Link, Chief Investment Strategist, Hightower Investors, Head of Investment Solutions, and Jim LeCamp, Senior VP for Investments at Morgan Stanley. Um, Let me just – I want to get to some strategy stuff in a minute, but – these uh, election races seem to be breaking now for the Republicans. Um, the House is uh, certainly going to go GOP, and it looks like the Senate's going to go GOP by one or two seats, maybe more, actually. I, I don't know the – this is not a leading question, but I'll start with Jim LeCamp. Does this uh, – you know, the cavalry's coming. Does this have any impact on the stock market? Does, you know, people say, well, okay, the – they can at least stop more bad stuff. You know, they can at least stop more regulations. 
and higher taxes and higher spending. Does that have any impact at all on stocks? I think it does. Um, the uh, gridlock has always been a, a better spot for the market than having one party have all the power, uh, for one thing. So, secondly, energy is really a high component of the CPI. It's a big component. It's the 800-pound gorilla in the CPI. And if we have uh, Republicans on both sides, then – it's going to be a lot more difficult for the administration to stand in the way of the fossil fuel industry and the capital expenditures that, that are missing because of policy that we have there. So I, I think in the long run, it, it, it definitely improves our drilling capacity and our drilling uh, industry. Uh, in the short run, I think there's a mindset there that gridlock will be better for all the reasons that you mentioned. We're still going to have the Fed to deal with, and the Fed is really our key player here. Uh, but uh, from, a, from a Wall Street perspective, I think it takes one negative off the table and sets the stage for uh, when things do improve, uh, that uh, a better tone for, from investors. Stephanie Link, how does one survive this difficult period? What, uh, what kind of recommendations are you thinking about? Yeah, I mean, it's been a really hard year. I mean, even even if you're beating your benchmark, you're still down and you're kind of winning by losing, right? But mm-hmm. uh, it's just a tough year. I think people over the last three years uh, got used to the market uh, going higher. I mean, we have a compound annual growth rate of the S&P 500 over the last three years of 28%. We all know the long-term average of total return for the S&P is something like 7%. Um, and so we're having a mean reversion year. It doesn't feel good. Uh, it's not the end of the world. So what you try to do in these kinds of environment, not take just not getting too over your skis on being really overweight sectors at this point. It's a real it's a real stock picking stock pickers kind of market at the at the moment. Um, and uh, and so I just look for you know just high quality blue chip companies, number one or number two in their industries uh, that. Uh, have uh, great management teams, good balance sheets, free cash flow is super important. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of where that checks all the boxes is sort of energy, to be honest with you, right? They're, they're minting money at this mm-hmm. point. In terms of margins, I mean, my goodness, I mean, Schlumberger, as an example, th- their margins were, were the, best they've, the, the best they've been since 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you got free cash flow, you got margins, you got high quality companies, you got dividends, you've got dividend growth. Uh, you have buybacks and that sort of thing. So those are the kinds of companies I'm looking at. So I'm a little bit overweight on energy. I like financials. I thought those earnings were actually pretty good. They have a lot of cap, uh, a strong capital and also returning it to shareholders as well. Uh, and I think the industrials also are just too cheap here at this uh, point in time. I'm underweight technology, Larry. We've talked about it. I've been underweight all year long. Mm. I'm not inclined to own long-duration assets when interest rates are going higher. And that's the definition of, uh, of long-duration. You know, I'm looking at the, the S&P sectors. Infotech is down 29% year-to-date. Mm-hmm. Good call, Steph. No, no, good call. <laughs> really great call. Uh, and the winner is energy. It's still up yeah. 58% year-to-date. I'm just looking at these numbers. Jim LeCamp, does, uh, do you, do you want to play a dividend strategy? Does that protect a little bit? You know, it, it depends on what you have to do. I mean, look, in a, in a bear market, uh, it's like a Stephen King novel. Everybody gets killed in the end. And so you, 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 oh. 
have to be very, very careful. I, I do like energy, and we have some exposure there. We're short emerging markets, short Europe, um, and we've uh, been off and on short the U.S., but uh, right now we're back long just because of what we're positioning was. But at the end of the day, yeah, we've seen some um, improvement in some healthcare stocks. I noticed uh, there were some breakouts at Cardinal Health, Humana, and some of those. Some of the biotechs are looking a little better, but I'm still not playing them because um, I, I still think the, the the waters are too murky and too dangerous, and I, I, I think you wait. Um, that being said, we do have some energy um, on the books, a couple of big defensive blue chip names for those that have to be invested. Uh, the dividend um, plays, as you mentioned, have held in much better than the rest of the market, and I think it's a place that you can go sit if you want to do that. Um, I just think uh, you, you can't get too aggressive here because of the nature of bear markets. You are getting paid, and we just have a few seconds left. I mean, the two-year note is 4.5%. That ain't bad. It's below inflation. But a lot of still, money flowing that way yeah, and into muties as well. Good. All right, kids, you're both terrific. Stephanie Link, thank you ever so much. Jim LeCamp, thank you ever so much. Folks, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to talk some money and politics on the other side. We've got Liz Peake and we've got John Fund. I'm Larry Kudlow. Stick around. More to do. Italian heritage and the food that goes along with it. That's why on Sundays after church, I head over with my father to Italo's Fine Foods on Forest Avenue in Staten Island with our list from mom. They have two locations on Forest Avenue, 1566 and the new one at 725. It's family owned and serving Italian specialties since 2014. They also have a full catering menu, the freshest meats, imported San Martano tomatoes from Italy, and the best mozzarella. Order in store by phone or online. They even deliver. ItaloFineFoods.com I-T-A-L-O FineFoods.com Tell them Vinnie Madunio and WABC sent you. Manja!